Have you suffered, uh, suffered uh, sticker shock lately? What does it cost too much for you? Ever notice that inflation is getting to us? You ever suffered sticker shock? Going to purchase something and say, holy cow, last year was this and two years ago was this much. You have to ask yourself when something goes up in price, how much is it worth to you? Can we afford it? You ever ask yourself those questions? Jesus says this. Can you read that verse with me? And so sometimes we're going to make a decision with the money of what we're going to buy and what we aren't going to buy. But friends in Christ, if you simply would take a tally of your monthly expenses that you spend over a year and where you spend what, that's a good indicator of where your heart is. Jesus is correct. Where your treasure is, what you spend money in. Money's all about those things that we value. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with this. About a, a decade ago, these are very popular commercials from MasterCard. You remember those priceless? They list so many things and say priceless. So... How much is your granddaughter's smile? What is that with, seeing your granddaughter? Well, there's about $120 in gas money to maybe two meals out to uh, eat, and there's a, a birthday present. But see your granddaughter's smile is what? That's priceless, yeah. My wife and I we were at my granddaughter's birthday yesterday. Um, watch your child play sports. Well, there's maybe $25, we'll make it $30 in gas, $5 a ticket to get into the game. You buy a couple bags of popcorn for our two, three bucks. Maybe a soda or a two, three bucks, and what do you have there? About 50 bucks. But watch your child play sports is what? Priceless. And then there's a whole thing, no offense, about surgeries. Now, surgeries today can go anywhere from 10 to 20 to 50, even in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, no matter the intensity of the surgery. But if you have a loved one who needs open heart surgery, a loved one who's maybe going through some difficult, maybe it's a transplant, um, those things are very difficult and a lot of preparation, but then if the doctor comes in the room and says your surgery went as well as possible and we're expecting full recovery, a successful surgery is what? Priceless, it's priceless. And finally, to have somebody love you and love you for who you are in spite of your, spite of your faults and failures is what? Priceless, those little things are priceless. Um, my lovely wife and I, a couple weeks ago, we went to go see Avatar 2, have you seen it? So we went up to Fallen Timbers and we watched it with uh, 3D glasses. Unique thing, uh, about a three and a half hour movie, but it sort of moves along quickly. If you haven't seen it, I'm not here to do a promo on it. But in the movie, The Way of Water, uh, humans have to travel so many years to the planet Pandora, and there they extract resources. But there's a resource they found, and it all sounds grotesque, but inside of Pandora's whales, there's, there's brain gel that will halt totally human aging. And that's what they're there for. So imagine this. Imagine if you talk about beauty aids, you talk about health, you talk about health supplements. Imagine if you could buy a vial of this gel that would halt human aging. And removing this little, I don't know, this little container is worth $80 million back on Earth. To halt human aging, to some people, that would be priceless. Uh, uh, maybe to some people, it also would be absurd. And so, in the Gospels, we read about this centurion. He was a Roman guard, and he knew of Jesus, and he himself was not a Jew, but he knew what Jesus could do. And so his, so his servant is ill, and he wants Jesus to come and to show mercy to his servant. And he says, Jesus, Lord, please help my servant. He's very ill and close to death. And Jesus says, well, let me go and visit with him. And, and the centurion said, you just say the blood. It's priceless. The gift of Jesus is more important than the faith. You, you only have to go there 
You have to raise hand if we're going to be the person. You have the power. You are Christ. You say the word is what? Priceless. Things that are priceless. And so in the Old Testament, what we need to understand is that God's covenant love for his people is priceless. So, so God chose Abraham. Remember that great promise from Abraham. Become offspring as great as the stars of the what? Or the sands of the what? And, and, and that God established a covenant with his people. And I'll be your God and you will be my people. And that's a priceless covenant because it's eternal. It's something that can't be bought. It's, it's not a gel that's found in some animal. Um, and it's priceless. And, and by the way, friends in Christ, whenever God does something out of love, he always tells us what he does. It's not an abstract sort of romantic high in the pie type of sky love, but it's something always done in the concrete. And so I'm going to ask you to read this with me. So when God talks about his love, it's always tied for something that he did. And then the great act in the Old Testament was that he delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He took them across the Red Sea. And, and, and God sent leaders to them. And so God always says, here's my love and my covenant for you. And it's always tied to something concrete. Something that he did for us. And in many ways, that is priceless. And so what did Israel do? And, and it sort of goes back to the sin of our day. Israel's costly sin is idolatry. Do you know what idolatry is? Having other gods. Can you say the first command with me? You shall have no other what? Gods. That was their sin. And it's that's the sin. We worship all sorts of things. We have all sorts of things. We hold near and dear to our heart. Uh, their embezzlement was ungratefulness. They were really ungrateful. They forgot that covenant with God. And their investment was in me and what I want. And that was what, that what Israel found most important besides God. Now, Martin Luther said this. Can you all read that with me, Dr. Martin Luther? And so Martin Luther, an idol is, is a God that's not revealed in Scripture. Because who's revealed in Scripture? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, a false God is someone that we invent apart from Scripture, apart from God's revelation. And so Israel was, was they were adulterous. They were spiritually adultery, committing adultery with these pagan gods and these other things and that wasn't priceless. And so what, what Micah does is most prophets do, and Micah's contemporary of Isaiah about 700 years before the first Christ, Micah um, speaks God's indictment. God brings him into the courtroom and he says this, My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I promised to be your God and you went and you have uh, committed spiritual adultery on me. You have other gods. What is it that I've done? And answer me. And so God calls Israel, just like the other prophets, whether it be Isaiah or Jeremiah or Nahum or any other prophet, calls them on the carpet, what he's done to me. And Israel's pricey, costly, and stuffly response. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted Lord? Israel thought that they could buy their way back into God's grace. And before we laugh at that, let's be honest, don't you and I sometimes when we want something to be answered? Sometimes we, we think we can bargain with God. God will play well, come to church for two months. Every Sunday for two months in a row. God, if you let this person be healed, I'll increase my giving. And God, if you do this, I promise I'll never do this again. And sometimes people try to barter with God. And the Israelites thought that, well, I'll just barter with God with stuff. I'll just give God stuff. And so maybe burnt offerings. Maybe God, if I just, like I said, maybe bring a bigger offering. 
Or maybe I bring in calves. That's something more precious. Or I'll tell you what, I'll be a little more active in church, God, if you just give me through this jam. Or thousand rams. And this is what all Micah says. I'll give my firstborn for my transgression. Now, friends in Christ, in Scripture, we, we often hear the firstborn. And the firstborn means the most important. Esau was the firstborn of Jacob, but Jacob got the blessing. The firstborn always means most important. So when Scripture calls Jesus the firstborn, he's the firstborn from the dead. Uh, that, that's something else that they can give to God. I'll give God my firstborn. Or the fruit of my body. God, God I promise I'll work harder for you. As if somehow we can buy our way into a state of grace with God. And that was Israel's sin. The friends in Christ, can you buy God's mercy? It's what? Priceless. A money is stuff. Our expression about inward faith is what? Worthless. Friends in Christ, what does God look at with us? Does he look at the outward or does he look at the inward? Say it. Yeah, God judges our hearts. I mean, God can judge our hearts and our inward thoughts. God looks at what's inside of us. You see, yeah, it's true. Offerings are nice and important. Doing that stuff is nice. But that can never buy our way into God's grace. That can never buy our way into a relationship with God. All that stuff is pricey. All that stuff, I'm sorry, is priceless. Um, read that verse with me. And, and some people think that God desires a lot of money and God desires a lot of offerings and God desires a lot of good works. Now that's not really true. What God desires is us. He, he desires for us to be in a relationship with him. God desires for us to be in fellowship with God. God desires that here's my grace and mercy. I simply want you to receive that and walk in a relationship with me. I, I want to be your God and you be my people and I love you and you abide in my love. I just want to be in fellowship with you. And so notice, notice what Timothy says. God desires all to be saved. Notice God doesn't desire all this stuff because the earth is his to begin with. Everything belongs to God. What he really desires is for us to redeem him from him, to walk in faith with God, to love him as he loves us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther said this. Can you please go ahead and read it? What I'm trying to say is that people who think they can buy their way to state with God don't, don't realize that God doesn't need that stuff. And by the way, I could dig out another statement from Luther where Luther says God doesn't need your... your God doesn't need our money, but our neighbor does. Now, no offense, I'm not being cute here. Somebody said God doesn't need our money, but the church does, okay? That's a whole other thing. But the point is, God desires for us to walk with him, okay? God doesn't need our good works, the neighbor does. That's what he desires from us. And by the way, friends of Christ, our relationship with God based on grace is priceless. It's us to be in fellowship with God. So God's reply to Israel is also God's reply to us. He showed us what is good through who? Well, you know, through Jesus. Jesus acts justly. Jesus wants everyone to be treated fairly. Uh, Jesus doesn't want poor people to be picked on. Jesus, and notice, if you, if you listen to the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who are meek, and blessed are those who are persecuted, and blessed are those who file against you because you love for me. God desires that everyone gets treated with justice and fairness, for he is a just and holy God. And Christ does love mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what we, des what we deserve. Let me say it again. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. 
20 years ago, if somebody would cut me off, I'd be really angry and tempted to do something really mean. And maybe over time, if someone cuts me off and said, well, maybe I cut somebody else off. Mercy is being gentle and kind to a person, even when they sin against us. Sometimes we're that, sometimes we're merciful, sometimes we're sinful. But Christ does love mercy. He has mercy on people. He looks with compassion on people. And Christ walks humbly with God. Um, God desires that we are humble. Do you know what humble is? Humble is not low self-esteem. Humility is not being a whim. Actually, humility is strength. Humility is saying, I, I can do this, I can respond in this way if I want to, but I'm not going to. Uh, to be humble is to say, um, I always want to learn more, I always want to grow more. Uh, to be humble is I, I can't find somebody else because I make mistakes myself. C.K. Chesterton once said this. Picture this with me. We see more from the valley floor than we do from the rocks. So people who want to be up and high, people on the valley floor, the meek and humble, can see more. They have a better vantage place. And doesn't King David in the 23rd Psalm, even though we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, you are near us, in those low times in our life of humility, God promises to be with us, to be humble. Up in our, in our funeral prayer, because I've done a lot of things. Our funeral prayer it says this: that you and I, how the words go, that you and I might lead quiet and peaceful lives, not running our mouths, not bragging or boasting about ourselves. In our vocation, lead quiet lives that serve God by our actions, not our mouth, and that we lead a peaceful lives with others. That's humility. And by the way, all that stuff is Christ for us. Humble himself to the point of death, showing mercy, showing kindness. That's for us. What is priceless for God working your, your faithful hearts? What's priceless? Well, I love it when people just willingly give, and I love it when people smile, and I love it when people go visit other people over ill you know, hurt and suffering, and I love it when people bring dishes in for funerals. Those sorts of things are priceless. I don't care how much it costs, it's those acts. When a child gladly hears, or um, someone brings their child to, a, to one of our classes, school classes, so that they learn, that stuff is priceless. What's priceless? Those sorts of things are priceless. So, friends in Christ, just as Jesus is this, let us act justly toward one another. Let us be merciful toward one another. And let us walk humbly with God because He's forgiven and redeemed us when we fail to do so. That is what? Priceless. That's God working in our lives. God's graciousness. What a joy that is. It's true for us, for our school, and for our church. So how about this for a closing thought? You will see some of the prices in there. We'll go ahead. For the... And the priceless gift of eternal life, all God's people say...